This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Let's pray and we'll go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here in the name of Jesus. Father, we, we are gathered to bring your name glory and praise. We gather, as Mark talked about, to be together in, in community because in community we're strengthened and we're encouraged. And that's where you want us to be. Father, as we come to your word, Father, we pray that you would speak to us. You would remind me of what I prepared. God, open our hearts and our ears to hear from you today. And use this message for transformation. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, friends, it was, a, it was a Sunday night worship service at a previous church. I was about, I was about 20 years old. And I uh, wasn't on the, on the music team that night. I played piano regularly and guitar and stuff. But I wasn't on. But I went down for the rehearsal to help, help the team out. And just so happened that the drummer didn't turn up that night. And someone said, can you play drums? Yeah, I can play drums, sort of. So I uh, jumped on the drum kit, and I played the rehearsal, and it all went fine on drums. And then we finished the rehearsal, we had a little prayer time, then jumped back on stage at 6.30 for the worship service. And we started the set, and I started playing the first song, and then halfway through the second song, the pastor jumps up from his seat, runs onto the platform and says, stop playing! The drums are too loud in the middle of the worship set. Now, I was embarrassed. I was shocked. I was, oh dear, what have I done? How bad is this? Oh dear, what have I done? So I stopped playing, and then I got off, and, and they kept playing the rest of the songs without the drum kit. Only a little bit horrible, but I also understand what the, past, the pastor was trying to protect the people, so I get that as well. Protect that as well. I was, I, mean, I, was, I was more frustrated, I was more frustrated with, with the people in the band who didn't turn around and say, hey, play quieter, or the worship leader to say, hey, play quieter, because that's their job to help each other on the team, yeah? Where did this go? Well, because of that day, and because of my feelings of embarrassment, I decided in my heart that I wasn't good enough to play drums at church. And as a result, some 22 years later, I've, I've never played drums ever since. Now, that's a good thing for the congregation, trust me, because I ain't that good. Joel was pretty good this morning, but me, not, not so good, yeah? This morning, I want to talk to you about your past, your present, and your future. I want to talk to you about how your past events, like me on that drum kit, create feelings, and then we create beliefs in us, like for me, I'm not good enough, which then affects our future. It, it affects us with action or inaction. I wonder if you can relate to some of these things this morning. Maybe you've had a significant person in your life, maybe a parent, a teacher, a grandfather, a father-type figure in your life tell you that you are no good and good for nothing. And someone who, who you look up to, when they speak that over you, it's easy to believe that. And your present is, your belief is, I'm not good enough. And as a result, your future is inaction. You don't try because you think that you're not good enough. Now, growing up, I had the opposite of that. My mum is a wonderful encourager. 
And she would, when I was naughty, she'd get out the wooden spoon and give us a good whack. When we got to about 15 years of age, when mum used to chase us, we used to get it and break it because we were bigger than her. It was really good. <laughs> but when we were naughty, she'd give it to us. But, but let me tell you, my mum is a great encourager. And that she would speak life over me and she would say, Nathan, you can and you can and you can. And I've grown up believing I can. My, my past event was encouragement. My present reality is I believe I can. And as a result, my future is I try. I step out. I do things because of what I believe about myself. I, I believe I can. Maybe you've told a secret to a friend and they blabbed it to the world. That's the past event. What's the belief? Maybe your belief is friends aren't trustworthy. And so your future looks like you do not build friends very well. You don't, you're not deliberate in having close friends. And when you do have friends, you're very guarded in what you share with them because you're concerned they're going to blab it with the world. Or maybe the opposite. Maybe you've got a friend and, and you told them your deep stuff and they've held it. And not only have they held it, they've, they've, they've prayed with you about it and journeyed, with, journeyed that that, that pain with you and those secrets with you. And as a result, your belief is friends are trustworthy. I can rely on them. And as a result, you've got great friends, people you share your life with. Maybe in your past, you went through a situation where you were taken advantage of, where you were in a situation and you weren't in control and someone treated you poorly in that situation where you were out of control. That's your past event. Your belief as a result of that could be, I need to be in control. And your future looks like you try and control everything and the people around you. Maybe. Maybe when you, in the past you made a really poor decision. And it was dumb. And if you told me, I, I think it's dumb too. It was just a dumb decision. But because of that dumb decision, and we, and we all make them, by the way, we all make dumb decisions throughout life, but your belief is that because of that dumb decision, you deserve to be punished and you don't deserve happiness. And if you have that belief, your future looks like, well then, because you made that decision, you deliberately go around not enjoying situations. You deliberately put yourself even in, in, in harm's way because that's what you deserve because of the things you've done in the past. But on the other hand, maybe you've made some really great choices. And because of that, you believe, you know what? I've done great things in the past. I can do great things again. And as a result, your future, you step out, you try because you believe you can do great things. Friends, I want to talk to you about this idea of your past, your present, and your future this morning. This is now our third week in our, in our, in our series on Ephesians. And we've entitled this, this series, What Hope Is There For Me? And when we look back over our lives and we see our past, and if we think about the difficulties and the hardships of our past, and if we allow those past events to, to create our thinking and define our reality, well, then we, we can think like there is no hope for us in the future. But as we read the book of Ephesians, that is not true. Because in Christ, there is great hope. For in Christ, God deletes your past, gives you a new present, 
and speaks about an incredible future in him. Amen? So this morning I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. And this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So if I get excited today, that's probably why. And this is what the Apostle Paul does. Now before he does this, the first 14 verses in chapter 1, Paul speaks to the, his, his readers and he, and he tells them about their identity in Christ. The next eight verses, Paul prays that this identity will be their reality, that their heart will believe this truth. And, to, and, and in this passage, he talks about their past, he talks about their present, and he talks about their future. Let's have a look at this, verse 1. He says, As for you, Ephesians, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated him with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Last three verses. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's masterpiece or workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to break this text this morning into three parts, past, present, and then future. In the first three verses, we, it describes the Ephesians' past. And friends, if you're in Christ this morning, if you're a Christian, this is your past. It's not your present, it is your past, yeah? If you're here this morning, and this is not good news right now, if you're here this morning and you have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, this is your current reality. And, and, and as I speak about it, it's going to sound horrible because this passage says that it is, but when we hit verse 4, there is good news for everybody. So if you read this and you go, oh dear, yes, exactly, oh dear, but God has got something really special and wonderful for you when we get to verse 4. So hang in there. Let's get through the first three verses. This is your past if you're a Christian this morning. He says, as for you, Ephesians, you were dead. How were you dead? You were dead to God. You had no relationship with God. Why? You were dead in your transgressions. And sins. Now, what's the difference between transgressions and sins? Transgression is when you deliberately do the wrong thing. It's like trespass. You deliberately do the wrong thing against God. That's a transgression. A sin is the Greek word hamadia, which means to miss the mark. Think of a dartboard and a dart, and you're aiming for that little hundred thing in the middle, and as you throw it and you miss, you miss the mark. So that is about his God's standard. 
and we don't do the things that we should do, that misses the mark as well. So we're dead to God for two reasons. Number one, because we deliberately do the wrong thing and we don't do the things that we should do. Is that clear? Verse 2. Notice he says, in which you used to, used to live. This is past tense. And then he describes this old life some more. He says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, when you looked at what everyone was doing out there and you copied them, you copied the people who don't follow Jesus, you set what is right, what is wrong by what your friends say, who aren't in Christ, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Now, when I read this for the first time, I went, holy dooly. Who is this ruler of the kingdom of the air? The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Who is that? Satan. It's the devil. Before Christ, we are dead to God because of what we've done wrong, because we haven't done the things we should do. Then he says... We're dead to God because we've copied what the world says rather than what God says. And Satan's actually influencing the way that you live. Verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time. No one is outside of this. Me, Kevin, Christy, even Mark Shum, a wonderful man of God. He was once in that place. All of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh. In other words, we were being led by our desires. When we talked about flesh, it's talking about our soul and our, and our desires and those things that we pursue that aren't godly, things that please us rather than please God. We followed its desires and thoughts, and as a result, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath or God's anger. Friends, these three verses portray just an, a horrible, horrible picture for what it is to be before Christ or not yet in Christ. It's really, really horrible to read that. But there is good news. Before I get into the good news, I want to summarize your past. Verse 1 says you're dead to God. Verse 2, you followed the world and Satan. You followed your own flesh desires and you were deserving of God's wrath. That is people who are before Christ and that is if you're in Christ, that is your past. Now let me give you the good news. Praise God. Verse 4. But. Everyone say but. 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 This is a big but. A really big but. This is a good time to have a really big but, everybody. Because without this but, we're stuffed. But with this big but, a really, really big but. In some versions it says, but God. And but here in the NIV, it put, but because of his great love for us, God. I like, but God. God does something incredible. God does something unique. God loves us. God rescues us. You've got to tell us. It says, but because of God's great love for us, friends, you are loved. God, who is rich in mercy. Mercy is where someone gives you something that you don't deserve. That is mercy. He made us alive with Christ, just as being Christ has been raised from the dead. We are no longer dead to God, but we are alive to God. We are in relationship with God. We can talk to Him, commune with Him. God touches us and heals us and moves. We're alive to God. Even when we were dead, even when we were stuffed, 
God loved and God gave. It says here, it is by God's grace. God's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. There's an acrostic there. Where God gives you what you don't deserve, he gives you something beautiful in Jesus. It's by God's giving his son Jesus to die on a cross and rise again that you have been saved. Saved from what? Saved from that anger. God's anger in verse 3. Saved from death. You have been rescued. Verse 6. And God raised us up. This is beautiful. With Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now get this one in your head. Right now, if you're in Christ, yes, you're sitting here with me. And it's great to have you. Thanks for coming out and being part of it. But right now, somehow, Harvey, this is for you, brother. You are now seated in the heavenly realms where God is and the angels and where Jesus is. You have a seat there now. That gives you security. That gives you hope. You do not need to fear, friends, for you are now seated in the heavenly places. I don't know how that works, but that's what it says. And if the Bible says it, I believe it. That settles it. Verse 11. In order... You are seated in that place and one day you're going to go there in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You know, God has got the most incredible riches for you. They are incomparable with anything else. They are for you. We see glimpses of it now on earth, but we'll see the fullness of that in eternity. And it is incomparable to what you have now. Now, I can think of some of the great things in life, like going to the beach, going down a wander and catching waves and body surfing and the wave picks you up and throws you all the way along. Sometimes you can go 30, 40, 50 metres. That's my happy place. Or I'm fishing and I catch a really big flathead and it pulls out my drag and, zzzz, and I'm bringing it in. That's a really good place. I think of times my wife were to just la, 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 la. I think of those incredible things, but this, this, these riches, focus everybody, these riches, these riches do not compare with that, what God has for you in your future. Wow. Then in verse 8, we're nearly there. It says, it is by God's grace, God's kindness, that you've been saved, free from death, saved from, saved from God's anger, through faith. It's as we put our trust in him that we receive what God has for us. God offers it. It's here. All we need to do is receive it. It's like a gift. If someone gives you a gift, you can turn it away or you can receive it. When someone gives you a gift, it only becomes your gift once you receive it. And friends, we receive this gift through faith by putting our trust. It's not by works. And it's about to tell us that, verse 9. It's not by works. It's not by what you do. So that no one can boast. You can't say, well, Mark Shum, look what I've done. Principal of school, Christian school. Aren't I awesome? I've helped all these people come to know Jesus. Aren't I great? Therefore, God's going to accept me. No. It doesn't work on how good you are. It doesn't. Because none of us are that good anyway. Sorry, Shumi, picking on you. But it's, but it's by his grace. Because none of us are good enough. None of us deserve it. Verse 9, it's not by works that no one can boast. And then in verse 10, for you are God's masterpiece. The Greek word is poem, where we get the word poem. We are created in Christ Jesus. Masterpiece, workmanship. 
And he's created us in Christ. Why? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do or for us to walk in. Let me give you a summary of this. Let me tell you about your present. Number one is that you are loved, verse 4. God loves you. He says that God has been merciful to you. You didn't deserve it, but he gave it to you. You're now alive to God. You're in relationship with God. You're now seated in heaven. However that works, I'm not sure, but that's what it says, that God has poured his grace on us. He has saved us, and finally we are his masterpiece. Friends, this is your present. This is your current reality. And then in this, in this passage that we've already read, it talks about our future. It talks about eternal life in verse 7, the incomparable riches for us who believe that's coming. And then in verse 10, it says that, that, that um, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Our future is good works. We don't do good works to get accepted. Rather, we are accepted, so we do good works to honor him, to love him. That is your future. Now, let me show you where we get stuck. On, the, on, on, your, on, on your left is your past, and on your right is your present. And so often, friends, we get stuck in the past. We look at our past, and we see the stuff-ups. We see the sin, we see the rebellion, we see our yuck. And rather than recognizing that, if you're in Christ this morning, rather than recognizing that as your old self that is done and it's finished, you see yourself like that. You see yourself as someone who is sinful. You see yourself as being influenced by the world. You're seeing yourself as gratifying the cravings of the flesh. You see yourself as deserving of God's wrath. Rather than who you truly are in Him, that is your present, that you are loved and you are forgiven and you've been given mercy and you're now seated in heavenly places and that you're now His masterpiece. Because if you see yourself like this and you see yourself as a sinner and, you, and if you look at your past, your current realities, you believe it, I'm, I'm not good enough, I'm, 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 I'm sinful, God couldn't possibly use me, and you see yourself like that, well, when opportunities come to serve God, rather than stepping out and, and honoring Him and you're going, I'm not good enough, woe is me, I've done all this stuff, God couldn't possibly use me, and it holds you back from the future that God has for you. But friends, that is not who you are. Your past is not who you are. It is over. It is done. It is finished in Christ Jesus. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 5 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Friend, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. That past stuff is over. It's finished. You have a new reality. You have a new, um, I thought I had another slide there. I guess go back one. You have a new reality. It's a bit like my boat. I'll give it to you now. I bought a boat about seven years ago. And uh, there's a picture of me, my favorite place up at Lake Kadai, fishing, just drifting along the river. It's one of my happy places. Talk about comparison, you know, that's one of them. Awesome. And we bought this boat, and it had a 1982 motor, Suzuki 25 horsepower motor on the back. 
and it was almost 40 years old, right? And I, I, I took my wife fishing a number of times, and I took her um, up, this, uh, up this river at Lake Cata, and one day the motor just conked down. It conked out, dead, couldn't restart, and we're about three kilometres from the boat ramp. So I proceeded to walk and drag this boat along, along the side, swim it, put the rope over my thing, swim. What, what did Michelle do? Sat in the boat, just everyone, she sat in the boat. I had to swim across the channels and then drag it, and I ended up getting the boat back to the boat ramp. And Michelle said something very beautiful, words that I'll never, ever forget, words that brought joy to my life. Guess what it was? You need a new motor. Woohoo! <laughs> so I uh, went and bought myself a new motor, and there it is. It's a little Yamaha 25 horsepower, and let me tell you, it screams. When it's flat and there's no wind, it's scary. That's how fast it goes, because the boat's only four meters. It's tiny, little tinny. It screams a lot. But when I first started to use the boat with the new motor, I felt myself anxious that the motor was going to conk down like the old motor did. The other one conked down, maybe this one, this one would as well. And I was living in the past. I had a new reality of a new motor that had been put in by professionals it was all set up, it was perfect, it was brand new. It wasn't going to break down. But because of my past experience of a motor breaking down, I had fear that this, that this motor would break down. So I was allowing my, my, my past to affect my beliefs, which made me nervous about the future, when the reality is this motor has never broken down. I've had it for three or four years now, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. There's an example of where my past affected my reality, but, my, but, but, but the truth was, I had a brand new motor, and that past was over. That old motor's done. It's finished. I sold it to a mechanic. He wanted it. I have a brand new motor. I have a brand new way of doing the boat. There's no need for me to be anxious. And I share that story with us because it relates to this thing of living in the past or living in the present. Friends, let me tell you about your present, that when you recognize you are loved on this side, you know what it does for you? how it affects your future, it gives you love for other people. When you recognize God's given you his mercy, you are more likely to treat people better than they deserve it. When your reality is, when your belief is that you are alive to God, you will talk to him, you will rely on him, you will trust him, you will walk with him. When you know that you're seated in heavenly places, you know that you are secure, that you are accepted, that you are safe. You don't have to look for acceptance and value and safety in other places because your safety and security is in Christ. When you know that God's lavished his grace upon you, it tells you that you are valuable, that you have worth. Therefore, you don't try and earn value from other people. You don't try and seek it in other places because you sit with God and you know what he thinks about you. And you live from that place. Your present of value lives from that place of serving God with the desire to honor him rather than try and get the approval of others. When you know that you're saved, you live a life of gratefulness and thankfulness. And as Mark talked about the question thing from Mark, for us, I can't remember, it was really live a questionable life. When you're so joyful and everybody else is so sad and they say, why are you so joyful? And you say, because 
I've got something awesome. What is that? Do you really want to know? What do you mean? You... Yes, it's God. He's done something in my life. He has saved me. He's rescued me, and I am joyful. And finally, when you know that you're his masterpiece, that he's created you in Christ Jesus, you know what God thinks about you. And because you know that you're right, that you're pretty marvelous, actually, you are who God has formed in Christ Jesus. You step out in our world and you try new things. You step out believing you can because God has done an incredible work in you. See, friends, what you believe about yourself affects the the way that you live. It affects your future. And if you allow these past thoughts of not good enough, sinful, failure to affect your... If you believe that about yourself, it will affect the way you live. But if you believe what God says about you, that you're loved, that God's put his mercy on you, this list, you will live from that place and you'll be effective in God's kingdom. You'll be living the life that he wants you to live. How you see yourself is so vital because how you see yourself affects your future. So how do you move from the past, your past to the present? Here are four things to a transformed mind. You might want to write these things down. The first thing for a transformed mind is this. Remind yourself of the truth daily. Remind yourself of who you are. I am saved. I am God's workmanship. I am a life to God. Remind you of yourself daily. Secondly, examine yourself. Think about what you actually believe about yourself. What do you actually think about yourself? And is it the truth or is it a lie? Because I reckon we live with so many lies. And when I say lies, we live with beliefs that don't line up with what God says about us. What God says about us is true if we're believing something that God doesn't, that, that, that God doesn't say about us, it's a lie. If we believe something that's contrary to what God says about us, we're believing a lie. We need to work out what the lies are and we need to exchange them with truth. Third thing, write down the truth. There's something happens in your mind. Dr. Caroline Leaf talks about this. When you write down God's truth, it's something shifts in here. I don't understand it. I'm not a surgeon or a genius like she is, but she says when you write it down, something shifts in here. And finally, pray that truth that you've written down over your life. Like Paul does in verse 15 and 23 of, verse, of, of chapter 1. He prays that God will give them the spirit of wisdom and understanding that they may know him better. And then he prays that the eyes of their hearts may be enlightened, that they may know the hope to which, them, to which they've been called. God, the, the inheritance, God, their glory, glorious, God's glorious inheritance in the saints and the power that God has for us. He, Paul prays that this truth would be a reality in our lives and we should pray the same. Now, this week, um, I was at a pastor's retreat group, and I have the privilege of leading it. There's about five pastors, and the guys share stories, and we talk about difficulties, and we, and, we, and, and we do some input. I did input around the simple church stuff that we did as a church a few weeks ago. Another guy did an input around evangelism. And as we talk, we ask God to reveal 
some of the beliefs about ourselves. And this week has been good for me because God's, God's revealed some stuff around my past that I'm still holding on to that is defining who I currently am, which is affecting how I'm living in my decision-making. And so I need to sit down with God, talk to him about this stuff, and get a new mindset or a correct thinking on this. I'm, t- I'm talking about going to get some prayer ministry and even going to a Christian counsellor to help me unpack some of this stuff that's affecting my decision-making now. Because it's stuff in the past that is contrary to what God says about me and what God says is right that is affecting me and my decision-making and my actions. So I need to get that sorted. And I wonder this morning, where are the areas in, in your life where you're still living in the past? What are the beliefs that you have that is the old self, that is before Christ, or even since you've become a Christian, there's stuff happened and you've got beliefs that are outside what God says for you. They're beliefs that you have and therefore they affect your future, your actions or your inaction. I wonder if you're aware of what they are. As we close today, I would love for you to be prayed for. If I said, when I said, I wonder if you know what they are, and if one of the thoughts immediately came to mind, I reckon God wants to deal with that today in you. So we're going to close the service, and I'm going to invite the band up. The band up? The worship team. Let's have the worship team. That's the same thing, isn't it? The band and the worship team. I think I meant to say prayer team. Actually, I don't think I'm going to use you. When I said band and then worship team, what I actually meant was prayer team. So sorry about that. Can I invite the, Joel, can you put some music on? Can I invite the prayer team to come forward? Prayer team, come. Thanks, Ange. Thanks, Dave. He was on the prayer team this morning. Come on down. And, and, and what I want us to do is, 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 is spend some time with the Lord. Maybe you, you need to sit there, just you and him, and pray and say, God, what is it when I'm still living I'm believing wise. What is it that needs to change? Maybe you need to forgive people in the past so you can get free, so you can move forward. And then as you sense the Lord speaking... I encourage you to come and receive prayer. So we're going to sit here for the next five minutes, I think. Joel, can you put some some nice music in the background? And just spend time with the Lord one-on-one. And as the Lord reveals, come forward, receive prayer. Shimi, Michelle, can you guys pray? Not you. Um, Annette, Sam, you guys are up. Can you guys pray? Kristen, can you come and pray? Let's, Let's create space. And if you like prayer this morning, come forward now, please. Sit with the Lord. To Calvary, where Jesus bled 
Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. 